0: Good Sunday afternoon and thank you so much for tuning in to the Sunday Social here. I'm Kelly
1: and I'm Thomas III
0: and we welcome you to this segment. Today we're talking to Darian Towner. She's a prevention specialist with the Citizen Potawatomi Nation
1: House of Hope.
0: Thank you so much, Darian.
2: Hi, thank you.
0: One of the things that intrigued me about uh, the House of Hope was how involved this is with the community. yes. Where is it located?
2: So our main office is located in Shawnee. Um, so we're located kind of at the tribal hub where all of our Potawatomi enterprises are located, but also just down the street from Old Downtown Shawnee. And so, yeah, we've been there for quite a while. Um, the 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 building that we're located in. We've been in there for several years now. And so um, it's just been a gradual kind of growing of our program over the years. And so it's been really, really great to be a part of and to kind of grow along with the community too.
0: And what kind of services do, do you provide to the community?
2: So we provide services to individuals, men and women, both native and non-native who have experienced intimate partner violence, sexual assault and stalking. And so our program community service actually serves five different counties. We recently expanded, so we are able to do that now. So we're currently serving Pottawatomie, Lincoln, Cleveland, Seminole and Oklahoma counties.
0: And let's talk a little bit about domestic violence itself um, and the definition of it. What is abuse?
2: So abuse, domestic violence, intimate partner violence, um, that's any type of behavior that occurs within an intimate relationship that causes any kind of harm. So that could be physical harm, psychological harm, sexual harm to that other person in the relationship.
1: So do you guys do a lot of uh, outreach work to raise awareness? To kind of, I know that's a big thing with um, some of the youth. They don't realize that it's abuse. And that's, you know, a lot of the stuff that we did growing up that we thought we were just playing or, you know, flirting or whatever. You get older and you realize, you know, that w- we might have made somebody uncomfortable. So how do you deal with that with the youth?
2: Yeah, so one of the big parts of my job, I get to go and do that outreach in the community. Um, And one piece of that that we get to do is we go um, to high schools, middle schools, college campuses, and we get to teach healthy relationship material to them. We we use a material that's called Start Talking, Love is Respect, Um, and it's really great to use with the kiddos, but um, there's walkthrough scenarios that we get to do with them and some role playing and things like that. But you're absolutely right. Um, some of these these classes that we get to do, we have kids right after say, you know, I feel a little guilty because, you know, I, I do some of the things that you just said to my boyfriend or girlfriend and, and never really thought of that as, as being abusive. And so a lot of the outreach that we try to do is trying to open up the eyes of especially our youth because um, that's the prevention side of our program. You know, we do provide services to individuals who are in the middle of that abuse, or who have just left it, um, but a big piece of our program too is doing that prevention. So hopefully, we can avoid those individuals, um, that that generation that's coming up from coming to programs like us in the future.
1: So those those classes that you do, are they um, just like one one time one setting classes, or are they more of like a program where it's set in a six or eight week span where you do classes every day?
2: So the program itself has eight lessons in it, and it really just depends on what time slot and time of av- availability we're given. Um, I know it's hard for some of the school districts to set aside some time, um, so we've gone and done a presentation to whole grades before um, and come back and done that same presentation for each, each grade at a high school and a middle school, um, but we've also done it the way that that material is set up, specifically of doing that eight lessons um, at the Boys and Girls club or local tribal youth programs things like that so um, we have different presentations and different material that we can use depending on if we can go once twice you know over the course of a couple months or a semester it really is just kind of molding with whatever program or school that we're going to and kind of finding that middle ground of what's going to work best for their students and what can we provide as a program
0: now do you have to vet that information with the school before you go in is that there, there's like a curriculum already in place for if you go one day or if you go eight days
2: right there is and so what we've typically done is at a school for example we'll sit down with either the principal or the guidance counselor or both will explain the importance of why we want to bring that material there um, and then we'll also either bring that uh, presentation or material to them to kind of review so they'll know exactly Exactly what's being said to their students, um, or will email that material to them beforehand so they can go through that presentation themselves and understand completely what their students are going to be hearing from us.
0: Now, as far as juvenile and uh, working with young people, is there some sort of like, I don't know, um, like a special curriculum for young men, because I think that that is a problem that is, I I think it's always existed, but because of, especially with Indian boys, that warrior mentality of, I can't cry. I have to fight. I have to be the tough one. And when, when all of that is in your mind and then you're getting abused and knocked around by this little girl, whatever, whatever color her skin is, you know, how do you, how do you talk to young men about, those kinds of of domestic abuse issues.
2: So some of that is addressed in that material that we use a lot in the community. Um, but that is something that's brought up a lot even by those young native men themselves is, you know, well, you say that I need to, you know, talk through things and have healthy communication with my girlfriend or with my whoever, but that's not the way I was brought up. I was brought up to, you know, have that kind of straight face and and not show those tears or not show that weakness quote unquote of that, motion and so that's something that we talk through a lot um, with the the young students that we get to go see um, and I know we haven't developed it yet but there are several programs that we've read about several domestic violence programs who have um, kind of developed a bit of a, a partnership um, a mentorship I guess is a better word where they've been pairing men in the community with young boys and so something like that is is I think it's a fabulous idea. It's not something we've been able to adapt to yet, but I think that's a wonderful idea for programs it's to It's almost use.
1: almost like the um, Big Brother,
2: Big Brothers Big Sisters. Yeah, yeah I think it's like pretty that. similar to that idea. The mentoring
1: mentoring programs. Now, you said that you um, serve both men and women. Mm-hmm. Now, what would you say on average, like the ratio is that you see of men versus women that come in that actually come in and want help?
2: So women statistically experience um, things like intimate partner violence, sexual assault, and stalking at a much higher rate. Um, And also from what we can tell national statistics wise, women more so come forward with that when they are experiencing it. But we as a program do see several men per year come to our program for help when they're experiencing abuse by an intimate partner. Um, Now it's, it's not the same amount as the women that we are able to serve. Um, But we are proud to say that we're able to help several men a year who do hear about our program and do come forward to receive services.
0: Now, uh, this is one of the things that I'm really curious about. I don't have children. Thomas has children, and Thomas is raising young men. Mm -hmm. So this is what I'm curious about. And just from his parental perspective and from your prevention specialist perspective, Prevention specialist perspective. Um, what what do you tell parents of young men who may be getting in trouble? You know what I mean. What would you what would you tell those parents? And, and what would your response be if one of your sons, Thomas, was in some kind of abusive situation, be he the abuser or the abused? I'm I'm. It's like I said. I'm I I'm am fascinated. Yeah. To know. Even
1: like what what are the warning signs? You know that you would look for because. That's the thing about it is growing up as a young native man, we're we're taught that you don't put your hands on women regardless. And I think that we almost give women a pass a lot of times like they can hit us, they could throw stuff at us, they could be verbally abusive and we're taught that we don't do anything back. You know, even talking bad to a woman is, you know, kind of taboo. And so you know like she said that that warrior mentality that not showing that weakness is something that that native men have to get over in a lot of aspects mm-hmm. uh, especially mental health and substance abuse problems and things like that and so you know this is one of those things that we will have to look for the clues a lot of times they're not going to come out and tell you so what what kind of what kind of clues should we be looking for as parents
2: if, if your child's being abused by or, an intimate or partner, being the
1: abuser either either abuser. either side of it
2: yeah so um, some of the things for individuals who are experiencing abuse teens who are experiencing abusive relationships some of the more obvious things that you might be able to see are is one isolation um, from friends and family so there's that normal kind of I say normal but um, infatuation that occurs especially with teens in a relationship right their boyfriend or girlfriend is their whole world Um, but this is an extra step even from that so um, their best friends that they've had growing up with you've noticed they're not coming around the house as much anymore you notice maybe um, their involvement in extra school activities has dropped things like that um, is a first indicator because that could be coming from that abusive boyfriend or girlfriend saying hey I want to be your one and only I want all your time and energy on me so that could be a first indicator um, a second one could be um, just having, having um, if I can get my words right here, having just hiding things, but not only hiding things. Um, not only talking about maybe bruises or scratches or things like that, because that could be an indicator of them being abused as well. That's an obvious one. Um, but making excuses for their partner um, to an excessive amount, you know, you maybe even question just to to just some lighthearted questions about their partner of, you know, well, how are they doing in school or how's their family doing? And it's 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 just automatic um, sense from your child of them trying to cover up just trying to kind of overprotect almost. Kind
1: of being defensive.
2: Defensive, that's a good word. Yeah, trying to be defensive of their partner when, again, you weren't even trying to pry into anything in particular, you were just asking around. And so that's something, that defensiveness that might come up um, excessively could be another warning sign as well. Um, But something that's big and key that we always say to adults and children is that physical abuse isn't the only type of abuse. It might be one of the more visual um, uh, uh, forms of abuse, one of the ones that's easier to see, but abuse doesn't always look like a black eye. And so it's, it's important as a parent, I think, to have that mindset of, you know, just because they don't have those bruises on them, they don't come home with a black eye, that doesn't mean they might be experiencing other types of abuse as well, be it emotional, psychological, verbal, sexual, whatever that might be. So trying to look for clues and broaden your mind too, I think can help you to not miss some signs.
1: Okay. So what about, what about on the other side as um, a parent looking for some kind of clues that your child may be the abuser? Kind of like how big bullying is and there's parents that um, really will turn a blind eye to anything that their, their mm-hmm. child does. It's, uh, you know, really just not wanting to believe that their child is the one that's doing all these things. And so, you know, how, how can you kind of open your eyes to that, that part of it and be able to see that it may be my child that's doing this?
2: Yeah. Um, well, I think it that's a hard point to get to sometimes, right, because we don't want to see or believe that the people that we love or the people that we raise could be doing something like that. And that also plays a role in a relationship with a an abusive boyfriend, girlfriend, or husband, or wife. Um, but if it's your child, I think um, just, again, kind of not looking for the signs, but being willing to see the signs. So a lot of times we want to make excuses for the people that we love. Um, So if your child is naturally kind of dominant, there's nothing, you know, per se wrong with that, right? But if you see that your child is excessively dominant with their girlfriend or with their boyfriend, um, if you start to see controlling behaviors out of, you know, when they say their their significant other says something that they don't like and they automatically reach over and hit their hand or you see that they are you know kind of twisting their hand behind their back or they're shooting them glares across the room when they're just trying to talk to to you about something else about school or about something that they did or something like that um so being willing to see those signs and not just pushing them, sweeping them under the rug because they are your child. Um, So keeping your eyes open to see those types of maybe aggressive or dominant behaviors that that they might be acting on with their girlfriend or boyfriend or whoever. So
1: along those same lines, is there a way that you can specifically get through to the parents? Like, you know, let's say that you as a prevention specialist uh, find out that, there is a kid that's being abusive in a relationship with another kid that you're dealing with and you want to try to open that parent's eyes to see what's going on. How do you do that? Because I know there's a lot of confidentiality involved. Right. And, but, you know, as a parent, you should want to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, denial is a very powerful thing. And parents will deny and keep on denying until sometimes until it's too late.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And so how, how do you deal with those parents that are in denial trying to open their eyes?
2: So I think that depends on a couple things. First, if that parent hasn't came to us specifically and their child is a minor and we're hearing about this second hand, that's where it gets a little bit sticky because they are minors. But if it's a situation where the parent has came to us and they've said, you know, this is the situation that's going on, um, then that we can step in somewhat. We don't have specific services that we can provide for individuals who are on that side, on the abusive side of the spectrum but we never let someone get off the phone or walk out our door without providing them with resources to direct them somewhere else and so we could still have that conversation with that parent to try and and point out those signs and open their mind a little bit we're we're always open to do things like that for the community but as far as you know going through a material or a class we have places we can refer out um, for individuals who are struggling with those abusive tendencies but our program itself can't Provide services
0: today. We're talking with Darian Towner. She's with the Citizen Potawatomi Nation House of Hope. And if you're having any kind of domestic violence issues, if you're experiencing any kind of domestic violence issues, if you need emergency help, their shelter is open uh, 24/7. Their shelter emergency line is four zero five eight seven eight Hope. That's four zero five eight seven eight 4673. That's 4673. They're available 24 7. You can go online to cpnhouseofhope.com. It's all one word. And you can find out all kinds of information that we're talking about here today. And we'll make sure that we give that number a couple more times throughout the broadcast. That number again, 405 878 four six seven three you know you guys bring up a really interesting point that i was thinking about which is denial Mm -hmm. and denial is a very powerful thing not only on the parental level but i think even on the survival level i think that there are women especially successful women who don't understand that what's happening to them is domestic violence until later
2: yeah Yeah, um, something that I always like to say is, you know, in a relationship, love isn't something that just has a power switch on and off. And so a lot of times in situations where an individual is experiencing abuse and maybe they're thinking about leaving or they have left and they've gone back, you hear a lot of comments and you hear a lot of questions of, why doesn't she just leave? Why doesn't she just get out of that situation? And that's one of the most frustrating questions for us to hear, for advocates and and anyone in this field I think because um, again love isn't a a power button you get to switch off when you want it to and so um, that, that idea of denial I think that goes back to you know they love this person we have to remember that we also have to remember that that relationship most likely didn't start out abusive you go on a first date with someone and it ends with them slapping you across the face or they've insulted you all nine been disrespectful you're probably not going to choose to go on that second date so we have to remember that honeymoon type phase that relationships, all relationships pretty much start with. Um, And then that love that's there in that relationship too. Love can be pretty blinding sometimes. And so sometimes it does take someone on the outside looking in um, to kind of reach out, provide that resource, provide that help. Um, And sometimes that's all that's needed to kind of open up an individual's eyes and say, you know, maybe I do deserve better than that. I love him, but maybe I do deserve to be treated a little bit better than that but it does take some time and statistically it takes five to seven times for an individual to leave an abusive relationship before they actually leave for good without returning that's five to seven times I mean that's that's (laughs) I don't even like saying that statistic but we see it in in our program in the community and so that's something else that I think individuals have to understand looking in.
0: Well, I think individuals also need to understand too. Just like you said, well, why doesn't she leave? Well, maybe it's just not safe to leave.
2: That's yeah. You
0: know, and maybe there's financial issues involved. Mm-hmm. You know that 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 drives me insane too. Well, why don't you just go? Well, you don't understand the circumstances. There might be kids. There might be threats of mm-hmm. to be killed. Mm-hmm. You know. So I think that we need we as a society really need to understand our verbiage. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and you know, I was thinking about how you were talking about the warning signs and a lot of them um, really remind me of the warning signs from whenever I was doing prevention work with substance abuse. And I was thinking, you know, how, how is, I know there's a correlation and, and how is domestic violence or victims of domestic violence? How, how do they correlate with substance abuse, uh, mental health issues, even suicidal tendencies? Because, I know that that this kind of abuse can be very psychologically damaging and it can cause them to, you know, look to something to kill the pain or drown the sorrows or whatever. And then it's it's almost is it like a cycle, like where you see people that are abusing substances be more likely to be in in an abusive relationship? Or you know how how do you see that really working out as far as you know does is it uh like maybe are victims of domestic violence like more susceptible to substance abuse and and mental health issues, and then are people that are uh, having substance abuse issues more susceptible to domestic violence
2: so I'm not sure I can speak to that entire question, um, but I think it it Our hope as a program is that we can provide that support um, for individuals who are experiencing or leaving those types of situations so that they don't feel like they have to turn to other areas or other things to get by. So we offer things like support groups and classes and therapeutic things like that. We offer resources out to counseling services um, with the hope that our clients won't continue to struggle or they won't turn to those types of things um one thing kind of on the flip side of that something that i just hear a lot too is that um, individuals will say yeah you know my brother he might hit on his his wife sometimes but it's just when he's drinking Um, and something that i want to say is that you know with drinking and even with mental health issues can that play a role in these abusive relationships? Yes. Is it the cause of that abusive behavior? No. It can maybe escalate it, but it's not the cause on the abuser's end. Um, that, that cause is, that root is power and control. That abuser feels like they can exert that power and control over their partner in pretty much every area. So,
0: And that brings up a really interesting point, too, of, you know, so... What do you tell women or men who call you initially and say, I don't know that I'm being abused. I don't know if this is domestic violence. I mean, he's never hit me. Mm -hmm. He's never, you know, but I get called a dirty whore every 10 days.
2: Right. So one of the first things that we ask when individuals call, whether they're calling our crisis line at our shelter or our main program is to kind of tell us about the situation that they're in. So we're giving them the floor to say, Hey, Hey, we want you to use your voice right now. Tell us what's happening because you're the person that knows best, right? We don't want to project and and offer and finish her or his sentences because we don't know what's happening. So we kind of give them the, the floor to say, Hey, what's happening? What does your relationship look like? And, as they start talking then we start to ask questions um, because sometimes they will say things like that you know well I, I've never experienced physical abuse and if they're wanting to get into shelter you know we always try and say well I mean that that's okay that doesn't mean you're not being abused and we don't have to check a box that says physical abuse yes you can come to shelter because there are these other types of abuse as well so we kind of talk with them through that and another thing that we do on the phone um, as well to clients or people on the crisis line um, is we can safety plan with them and that sounds like just what it is it's a plan for that person's safety and so that can look like a lot of different things but it's basically Basically just kind of helping them to proactively think and develop a plan of if they're wanting to leave, what that might look like, things they might need to think to grab, people they might need to contact ahead of time, Um, if they're experiencing stalking or something like that, you know, walking through the steps of what are some things that we can do to to have your safety and your kids' safety at the the forefront of your mind at all times. So that's another thing we do on the phone when individuals are calling us.
1: Now, does abuse does it does it usually go in stages like where it'll start with something simple like your boyfriend doesn't want you to go out on a certain time or doesn't want you to hang out with certain friends and then does it get progressively worse is that usually the way it works or is it just kind of like diving head first and you just get hit one day I mean how because I've I've never I've never really been in that situation Mm -hmm. so I don't I've never seen it actually play out like that, you know.
2: So I've heard stories on both spectrums. I mean, sometimes you do hear about that buildup of, well, when we were 18 and we first got together, you know, it was just little things here and there. He wanted to say, you know, what I could and couldn't wear. Then a couple years down the road, he wanted me to stop going to visiting my family so much. And then sometimes it leads to physical abuse, sometimes it doesn't. But we've also had individuals come to our program or come into shelter that have said, it was perfect. Like y'all, we had the best relationship. And then one day it was a punch or it was a, you know, verbal harassment for two hours. So I think it just kind of depends. No two individuals or two relationships are the same. Um, but I, we've definitely heard stories on, on both coming from both areas there.
1: So some of those, like, Trying to control what you wear, who you hang out—some of that stuff can be considered like warning signs.
2: Yes, it can. Like,
1: um, kind of like making you more susceptible to being in a abuse, uh, I guess, abusive relationship.
2: Yeah, we never want to put any kind of blame on the victim, right? And so, if any any of those things start happening, um, that's a warning sign from that other person, right? From them that maybe that's something that that you should get out of soon um, but something we always remind individuals is nothing you could have ever done warranted any of the abuse that you got it doesn't matter if you got home late and forgot to cook dinner and he didn't have dinner ready you know it doesn't matter if you you said something you shouldn't have maybe you know you don't deserve any type of abuse like that so there are definitely warning signs yeah that I think that we can see I think Think they're a little bit harder to see sometimes when you are in the middle of that relationship because again you do love that person typically that's why you're in the relationship Um, but there are warning signs definitely
0: We're here speaking with Darian Towner. She's a prevention specialist for the Citizen Potawatomi Nation House of Hope. If you're experiencing any kind of domestic violence, if you need help, if you need to talk to somebody, they have an emergency shelter line. That number is 405-878-HOPE. That's 405-878-4673. They have help available 24-7. And if you want more information about the CPN House of Hope, you can go online and put in cpnhouseofhope.com. They have a Facebook page also, CPN House of Hope. And one of the things that I really, really liked about your website is the disclaimer that y'all put on there that, hey, your this computer... Mm-hmm. Um, transaction might be monitored so please understand that your abuser may be monitoring this and go to a safe place to contact us online i thought that was fabulous
2: right, yeah we also have a button on there um after you click through that disclaimer um if you are in a situation where you someone's coming up behind you you need to change the screen it's an escape button and it ch- takes you to i believe a recipe page on google so it's as if you're just you've looked up a recipe for dinner and so um that's uh, that's not an idea that I think we created several other programs and enterprises and things have that um, but we've heard of, of that being useful from clients so
0: This has been part one of our conversation and Sunday social with Darian Towner. Thank you so much for tuning in to our Sunday social episode today. Next week, we're going to continue this conversation with Darian and we're going to talk more about the citizen Potawatomi nation house of hope and all of the great things that they're doing in their community. Thank you so much. And we'll catch you next week.